Good morning. It is really good to be here with you this morning. I wanted to mention as we get started about something that's going to be taking place in three weeks on the 25th. That's the Sunday where we will be celebrating with all of our families who had babies born during 2014, and it's a good crop this year, so it should be a really good Sunday that we'll be together. Um, In conjunction with that, we will have a combined worship service, and that will be our quarterly combined worship service, we'll all be together. Um, So this service will not meet on the 25th, we'll have our class at the regular time, our classes at the regular time, and then our later service at its regular time, and then we'll go together over to the gym And we will share an old-fashioned potluck together as we continue to celebrate with our families. I also want to mention that on that Sunday, Anthony will be speaking to us. So that will be a treat for all of us. So make sure that you plan on being here on the 25th. As we get started, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this new year. Father, we just are very mindful of all the ways that you have blessed us. And Father, we want to really be focused this year on the fact that you are a God who, who calls us, a God who has chosen us, a God who protects us and saves us. And Father, help us to respond to you as disciples of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we want to be more and more like him. We want to walk in his steps. And Father, we want to shine his light to all of those who are around us so they too can come to know him. And so through him, they can come to know you. And Father, we just look forward to the great things that you're going to do through us here at Netherwood Park in the coming year. And Father, we pray this through your Son, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So last week we spent our sermon time introducing our theme for 2015. And that theme was taken directly from Joshua 24, the the scripture that was read just a few minutes ago. And our theme is, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And last week I committed to you that we will use this theme throughout the year to provide focus and to provide structure to our classes and to our sermons. And I also committed to you that we will use this theme as a frequent reminder of who we individually and collectively have chosen to be. I also spent time talking about why we, the leadership at Netherwood Park, chose this particular theme. And I want you to know that we chose it because we see that Joshua's concerns for his people and Joshua's concerns for his house are the same concerns that we have for our people, the same concerns that we have for our house, Netherwood Park, the family that's been placed under our care. Like Joshua, we are concerned because we continue to see the devastating consequences of choosing to follow the gods of the world instead of the one true God. And like Joshua, we are concerned because we see that we, the people of this house, often don't behave like people who are in an exclusive relationship with God, an exclusive relationship with El Shaddai, the all-powerful and all-sufficient God. We look around us and we look at ourselves and we see that too often we are struggling to serve multiple gods of the world instead of serving the God who made the world. And we, the elders and ministers here at Netherwood Park, are not only concerned for you, we're concerned for ourselves. Because when we look in the mirror, we see the same devastating consequences of serving other gods in our own lives and in our own families. And when we look in the mirror, we see that we too often behave like we aren't in an exclusive relationship with the one true God. 
we want you to know that we understand that we're struggling with these problems together. So throughout this year, like Joshua, we will be bringing our house, we'll be bringing our people to decision points. We'll be asking our house and our people to make a commitment, a complete and public commitment to serving the Lord and the Lord alone. And we want you to know the kind of commitment that we're asking for. We're not asking for a halfway, lukewarm, when it's convenient, only on Sundays kind of commitment. Instead, we're asking for a white-hot, all-consuming, in spite of all obstacles, at all times, in all places, and in every situation kind of commitment to serving our Lord. So we'll be asking you to join with us in committing to make God our heart's desire above and before everything else. And we'll be asking you to make the commitment with us to serve God in a way that shows that we love him more than anything and everything else. And we'll be asking you to join with us in committing to transforming our lives from the image of this world into the image of Jesus Christ. And we want you to know that we'll be doing that because we're convinced that that's the kind of house that God is calling us to be. And we're convinced that that's the kind of house that we want to be. And we're convinced that that's the kind of house that we're going to be with God's help. So over the next several weeks, what I'll be doing is I'll be exploring our theme in greater detail. I'm going to start that process today by focusing on on who we are being asked to serve. We'll be focusing on God. We'll be looking to answer some questions. And probably the most fundamental question is the title of today's sermon. Why choose God? Why choose to serve God at the exclusion of all other gods? Why are we asking you and why are we asking ourselves to make the commitment to serve God instead of all of those gods of the world that are so prevalent and so tempting? We'll want to ask the question, why is choosing God desirable? Why is that something we should crave? Why is that something that we should want? Why is choosing to serve God not an inconvenient burden, something that interferes with our true desires, our true needs? Why should we desire to serve God? And today we're going to let God answer those questions. We're going to let God speak for himself, and we are going to see that God's going to make it very clear. He's going to make it very persuasive why we should choose to serve him and him alone. And we'll let God start speaking to us first in Joshua 24. We'll be returning to that passage. And we'll focus on the words that God spoke to Israel through Joshua before Joshua brought the people to their decision point. When Joshua stood before the people and he said, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And God's persuasive argument for choosing to serve him instead of the gods of the world is rooted in history. It's rooted in what he has done for his people. His argument is based on how he has acted on behalf of his people. So listen to some of the language that God uses in the 24th chapter of Joshua. In verse 3, God says, I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and I led him throughout Canaan and I gave him Many descendants. So God's saying, why choose me? 
Why choose to serve me instead of the gods of the nations? And his answer is because I am the God who led and blessed your father Abraham. And then in verse 5, God says, Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. So God is saying, why choose me? Why choose to serve me instead of the gods of the nations? And his answer is, because I am the God who lifted up and sent Moses and Aaron and brought you out of the slavery of Egypt. And then in verse 8, God continues and he says, I brought you to the land of the Amorites and they fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you and you took possession of their land. When Balak, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. And in verse 13, God says, I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them, and you eat from the vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. So God asks the question, why choose to serve me instead of the gods of the nations? And his answer is, because I am the God who brought you through the wilderness. And I'm the God who brought you into the promised land. And I am the God who gave you cities to live in that you didn't build. And I am the God who gave you vineyards and groves to eat from and to drink from that you did not plant. That's God's answer. Why choose to serve me instead of the gods of the nations? God says, because I've been active for you, because I've watched out for you, because I have rescued you, because I have kept my promises to you. Why choose me? God says, because I, the all-powerful and all-sufficient God, chose you. That's why you should choose me. And that's why Joshua's Declaration carries such power and it carries such force when he says, Choose for yourselves whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will choose the God who leads. We will choose the God who blesses. We will choose the God who keeps his promises. We will choose the God who sends help and brings his people out of slavery. We will serve the God who gives undeserved but abundant blessings to his people. We will serve the God who has chosen us. And Joshua doesn't just choose to serve a God because of what he has done in the past. Joshua is choosing to serve a God. He's choosing to serve the God because of what he's going to do in the future. See, Joshua knows that the God who chose his people will continue to choose his people. And so Joshua says, I'm choosing him now, and my family will choose him in the future. Joshua chooses to serve the God who not only has done, he's choosing to serve the God who will do. So why choose God? Well, listen to God's answer to Israel as he speaks through his prophet Isaiah. I'm going to be in Isaiah chapter 46. It's a fascinating passage. It's one of my favorite passages. I'll begin in verse 1 in Isaiah 46. It says, Bel and Nabo, the gods of Babylon, bow as they are lowered to the ground. They're being hauled away on ox carts. The poor beasts stagger under the weight. Both the idols and their owners are bowed down. 
The gods cannot protect the people, and the people cannot protect the gods. They go off into captivity together. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and I will save you. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire a craftsman to make a god from it. Then they bow down and worship it. They carry it around on their shoulders and when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there is no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. Do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Do you hear God's incredulous tone? God's saying, why choose me over the gods of the nations? And he says, is there really any comparison? Is there really any choice to be made? So God says, let's, let's review this. Let's, let's compare. Let's compare me to the gods of the nations. He says, perhaps you should choose me because, because I'm the creator. I'm the God who made you. And perhaps you should choose me because I am the provider I'm the God who provided for you in the past, and I am the God who will care for you, and I will sustain you in the future. Or perhaps you should choose me because I'm the very world's foundation. I'm the God who held you up before you were even born, and I will carry you even when you're old and gray. God says, perhaps you should choose me because I'm the Savior. I'm the God who saved you, and I'm the God who will continue to rescue you in the future. Perhaps you should choose me because there is no one like me. Who else will sustain you? Who else will carry you? Who else will rescue you? Maybe you think it's going to be these gods of Babylon who will do that for you. Maybe it'll be Bel and Nabo. You know, those gods who have to be carried around in a cart. Those gods who aren't able to protect their people. God's very comfortable in saying, let's look at the alternatives. You can choose me. You can choose the creator. You can choose the one who made you. Or you can choose these gods whom you made. God says, you can choose to serve me. You can choose to serve the provider, the one who sustains you, or you can choose to serve a God who you have to maintain. God says you can choose to serve me. You can choose to serve the foundation of the world. You can choose to serve the one who carries you. Or you can choose to serve a God that you have to support, a God that you have to carry. God says you can choose me. You can choose to serve the Savior. You can choose to serve the one who rescues you. Or you can choose to serve a God that can't move on your behalf. A God who can't hear your cries. A God who can't answer your prayers. A God who can't even save himself. Choose this day whom you will serve. 
Will you choose the all-powerful, all-sufficient God, or will you choose a completely helpless, a completely impotent God? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why choose God? Well, God has also emphatically answered that question through his son, Jesus Christ. Why choose to serve God? Because he's the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to save us. Why choose God? 1 John 4, 7 through 10, John writes this. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Why choose God? Well, God answers that question with this. You should choose me because I love you. Because you're choosing the God who left no doubt about the depth of his love when he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. Why choose to serve God? In Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 11, Paul writes this. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, sometime, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Why choose to serve God? Well, God answers, because I justified you, because I saved you, I reconciled you. Because you're choosing the God who sent his son to make us right when we were wrong. Because we're choosing the God who turned away his own wrath by sacrificing his son. Because we're choosing the God who transformed us from his enemies to his allies through his son, Jesus Christ. Why choose to serve God? A little bit later in Romans, in chapter 6, Paul writes this. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Why choose to serve God? 
Well, God answers because I'm the God who freed you from sin. And I'm the God who promises to resurrect you like I resurrected my son. Because you're choosing the God who has made us new and who broke the chains of our slavery to sin with the death of his son on the cross. Why choose God? In Galatians chapter 1, starting with verse 3, Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Why choose to serve God? Well, God answers because I rescued you from evil. Because you are choosing the God whose desire and will is for all people to be saved. Why choose to serve God? A little bit later in Galatians, Paul writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Why choose to serve God? Well, God answers because I redeemed you and because I have given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. We choose God because we're choosing the God of Abraham who has chosen to bless us through Jesus' death on the cross. Why choose God? Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, wrote, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Why choose to serve God? Well, God answers because I healed you. Because you are choosing the God who chose to cure our terminal and our eternal illness through the suffering of Jesus Christ. Why choose God? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter says, You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why choose God? Because God has chosen you, because God has chosen us. We're choosing the God who is full of mercy. We're choosing the God who has offered us adoption as his own children. The God who invites us to be part of his chosen people. Why choose to serve God? Have we really considered the alternatives? Have we considered the alternatives like serving the God of money? Or serving the God of power? Or serving the God of prestige? Or serving the God of popularity? Or serving the God of pleasure, I have to believe that God is incredulous about those choices as well. Because those gods are every bit as helpless and they're every bit as impotent as Bel and Nebo 
the gods of Babylon. See, the choice is between serving the God who loves, the God who justifies, the God who saves, the God who reconciles, the God who frees, the God who resurrects, the God who rescues, the God who redeems, the God who heals. The choice is between choosing to serve the God who has chosen to bless us through Jesus Christ or choosing to serve those gods that we have created. Choosing those gods that we work so hard to try and maintain. Choosing those gods that we have to carry. Choosing those gods that can't move to help us. Choosing those gods that can't hear our cries for help. Choosing those gods that can't fulfill our true deeds. The gods who can't save us from our captivity. And those gods can't save us from our captivity because they're the ones who are keeping us captive. They're the ones who have enslaved us. I want to end with a couple of pictures. And these pictures are kind of personal. They're personal because they illustrate things that have been my gods. Things that I made my God. So if you'll bring that first one up, Rick. I don't know about you, but this picture looks very familiar to me. See, I had a God that I worked really hard to maintain and sustain, but a God that failed me. A God that couldn't keep its promises. A God that didn't keep my cries and didn't come to my rescue. This picture looks familiar to me because I've been there. I had a job with great promise, and it became a God to me. And I dreamed about all the things that job was going to do for me, big houses and fancy cars and impressive titles and power and prestige. And that God seemed to be taking very good care of me until the day I was met in my office and told to clean out my desk because I had been fired. Then the God wasn't there for me, and the God couldn't help me, and the God did not hear my cries. Bring up the next picture. How about this picture? I don't know about you, but I've been here too. With great plans for my investments, with great projections for my wealth, with dreams of earthy and wealthy retirement. And that God seemed to be taking very good care of me. Until over a period of just a few short months, the market crashed and those investments crashed right along with it. And those projections turned out to be completely worthless. I tried serving that God, but that God did not sustain me. And that God did not hear my cries. And that God did not come to my rescue. And I want you to know those were hard lessons to learn. But those were really good lessons to learn because those lessons taught me to rely on God, on the true God. The God who was, the God who is, and the God who always will be faithful to those who choose him. Those lessons taught me to rely on God instead of the gods who can't hear, the gods who can't answer, the gods who can't serve. And so I choose to serve God. I choose to serve the God who loves me, the God who hears my cries, the God who answers my pleas, and the God who has saved me through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Last week, I gave everyone here fair warning. And I know not everybody was here last week, so I'm going to give all of you fair warning as well, that during this year, during the coming year, we, like Joshua, 
will be encouraging each other to make public commitments to serving the Lord. We won't do that every week, but we're going to do it this week. I'm going to end today like we ended last week. We're going to end today by standing together. Go ahead and do that now. And boldly and publicly committing to each other and committing to our God that we are going to be people who serve the Lord. So I'm going to say this statement to you. I'm going to say, Netherwood Park, choose this day whom you will serve. And I'm going to ask you to read, to echo what's on the screen. But only do that if you mean it. Only do that if you are committed to serving the Lord. So let's do that now. Netherwood Park, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's join together and sing this song to our God.